You are listening to Beyond Sets and Reps, where we provide the performance edge. I'm your host, Pat Ivey. And I'm your co-host, Mackenzie. And thanks for tuning in to another episode. Culture of accountability is when a lot of your athletes are doing what they're supposed to be doing, when they're supposed to be doing, how they're supposed to be doing it. Competence. Do your athletes know what they're supposed to be doing so that they can do what they're supposed to be doing? Are they committed? Will they see it from the start to the finish? Will they complete the task? Are they consistent? Welcome to another edition of Beyond Sets and Reps. I'm your host, Pat Ivey, where we're providing the performance edge. We have Mackenzie. Hello. And today we have a special guest. I've known this young man for a very long time. He comes from Irving, Texas, born in Irving, Texas, attended South Lake Carroll High School, two-time state champion, one-time national champion, two-time 5A state player of the year in Texas, Attended the University of Missouri, graduated in three years with a degree in finance. Two-time Heisman Trophy finalist, three-time All-American, I'm sorry, All-Academic Big 12. 2007 Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year. 2007-8 Male Athlete of the Year. 2008 Drady Trophy winner, runner-up. He was inducted into the University of Missouri Hall of Fame in 2014 just finished year 10 of the NFL 2000 also 2009 Super Bowl champion also the NFLPA board of reps going on six years he's a one of five members of the Barrett Social Justice Committee he started the Chase Daniel Lone Star State Scholarship in 2011 and amongst many of the other things uh, it is my pleasure to introduce you to Chase Daniel. Chase, how are you? Good. Thanks for that introduction. It's uh, probably a little too much, but it was it was nice to hear. <laughs> uh, well, you know, you were someone that I met when you were in high school, and you had this vision and just an air of confidence about you. You know, um, I know you finished up this past season with the Chicago Bears. What is it about you and your upbringing that allowed you to be one of the most confident players to play the game? That's a great question. Yeah, we've we've known each other for about fifteen years now. Can you believe that? We're both getting we're both getting old. Um, <laughs> but I mean, you know, for for me, I think it all started with definitely my upbringing. Um, obviously, you talk about you know you are who you raise and, and my parents raised me a certain way. We were a Christian household and, and, uh, you know, just being from Irving, I moved to South Lake when I was in eighth grade. And, you know, I think just the amount of success, uh, not only on the field in football, but baseball track, but also off the field as well, whether it's, uh, you know, community service that we did or academics, which was a big part of my life. It, it just, all the success I had, you know, in high school at a young age just sort of led me to the edge of really teetering of confident versus cocky. And anytime I, I sort of swayed over that edge to cocky, my dad would let me know. And, and there's a fine line to walk there because 
Um, you want people to see that confidence, especially in a leadership position, uh, which, which I've been blessed to be in. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it has to do with my parents and the, and the early success that we had really in sports growing up. You know, I think about one example when you talk about your leadership. I remember there was a summer workout that we had. I don't know if you remember this, but I do. And the attendance at seven on seven was below your standard and what you felt our standard should be. And right before we were getting ready to do a conditioning session, everyone's lined up across the goal line and you came out and you said, Attendance was not very good. If we could have a little extra today as a reminder of how important it is to improve our skill, I think that'll go a long way, coach. And then you walked back and got in line. And I'll never forget how much courage that took, how much leadership that took, and the respect that your teammates, uh, that you gained from your teammates uh, from that moment. They may not have liked you at that, <laughs> at that, at that very moment, but what is it? about moments like that, that allow you to step up? Yeah. I mean, I, I, uh, I think I do remember that, you know, we were running outside and it was extra conditioning and, you know, leadership to me, it's, it's earned, not given. And that's always what I've tried to take with me to wherever I've been. And so you can't come in as a freshman or maybe a sophomore that hadn't, you know, done anything and, and do that, what I was able to do that day. I think, you know, not only your on-field performance is obviously key and, and guys respecting you, but how you handle practice, how you handle um, study hall, how you handle everything that goes into being a college athlete. And I think that uh, it does take a little bit of courage because you, you have to be able to step out of uh, your comfort zone. You know, was I comfortable doing that? Probably not. Did it need it to happen? Did it need to happen? Absolutely. And, and I didn't think anyone else was going to do it. And so for me, it's always like, man, like I don't ever want to have what if situations. Well, what if I would have said that? Or what if I wouldn't have said that? And then we just go along. And it's just so home. It's, it's sort of about setting standards. And, you know, back then at, at the University of Missouri, you know, we were a seven, eight win team. And, and that was just, you know, middle of the pack. And that, I just, I personally, I mean, I took it, I, I didn't want to be middle of the pack. I knew a lot of guys that didn't want to be middle of the pack. I mean, we had some great senior leadership in 07 and 08 and 09 even. Um, so for me, it, it definitely is um, a respect factor a little bit, but you also have to know how and when to do it. And Chase, having played at all levels, can you take us through how, if and how your leadership role or methods or even how you go about earning that respect, how that has changed as both you've matured and the level of play has increased? Yeah, I think you, you just start in high school and, and um, you know, we had uh, an amazing amount of success in high school on the field in football. We were 47 and one in three years, lost one game by one point. Um, so I think that in general, if you're the starting quarterback or you're the starting strong safety or middle linebacker, I mean, you're just automatically put in leadership positions. And I think that for me was easy because, you know, we didn't need a lot of rah, rah. We, we knew we were good, but what we needed was leadership, um, by example. And so that really taught me how to lead by example. Then when I got to college, it was, you know, at the university for four years, we, we weren't very really good when we got there. I mean, we had, um, you know, when 05, my freshman year when I got there, 
um, we had a we had a pretty good class of seniors. I mean, Brad Smith is obviously a living legend in his own right. Was able to um, set the bar pretty high for the University of Missouri. So to follow him, it wasn't easy. Um, but we needed more of a little bit of not only leading by example, but also vocal leadership. And I think those early years in college really helped my vocal leadership because no one would really say anything. They were scared about kickback and they were scared about, you know, well, if there's a hundred guys on the, on the squad, well, you know, it might hit 85 guys, but what about the 15 that are just like, oh man, you know, screw that, screw chase, you know, we, whatever. You have to be able to be comfortable in your own skin and, and you know, not only vocally, but emotionally and, and, and emotionally intelligent. And for me, that was like, all right, I can't talk to Jeremy Macklin the same way I talk to Chase Kaufman. You know, certain guys have ways, you, you have certain ways to reach guys, right? So I can't be um, maybe yelling at Chase Kaufman, whereas I can, you know, get on J-Mac's butt a little bit if he's not doing something right. Um, whereas Chase Kaufman is more like pull him off the side one-on-one. And I think with the NFL, um, you know, for, for these last 10 years, I have not been the starter. I've been a backup, which has been great. And, you know, when I've gotten a chance to play, I feel like I've played pretty well. So you're more of a lead by example type guy. You know, no one on any team, especially a backup, is going to be, you know, rah, rah, we need to do this, we need to do that. But when your time comes and you step into the starter's role, which has happened to me, you can be that way. So I think there's a fine line of handling all that. So Chase... Speaking of being a backup, I know um, that you have spent most of the time in the NFL in that position. How do you do it? Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, it's first of all, it's very difficult to to make it to the league. And so I've just been very blessed and and um, not lucky, but just, you know, God's put me in this in this arena for a reason, so to speak. So um for me, you know, coming from, you know, two-time Heisman Trophy finalist in 07 and 08, my junior, senior year, to not getting drafted, right? Let's go back to the draft of nine, not getting drafted, you know, because of my size um, or, or, or whatever it might be, and then going as an undrafted free agent. I think that if I, when I look back on my NFL career, whether it be, oh, you know, 10 years or 15 years or 20 years, if I'm lucky enough to play 20 years, I'm going to say that that probably set the tone for, for my um, entire NFL career, because I just sort of had a chip on my shoulder. Like I felt like I really should have been drafted and I felt like I belonged with the best of the best. Um, And and so when it didn't happen, it was just like, man, it was very difficult for me to, to cope with. But at the same time, now, you know, my goal sort of switched. It's like, all right, let's just, let's make the team. All right. So I didn't make it, but it was a blessing in disguise when I got cut from Washington because a day later, Sean Payton called me on the phone and said, hey, we want you to come back up. Um, Drew Brees here in New Orleans. You know, we can't get you on active roster for the first couple games, but we're going to find a way to get you up. And sure enough, that happened. And that year we won a Super Bowl. And then I was there for four more years, which also – learning from Drew has been the best thing of my NFL career, just from a standpoint of like, I thought I knew how to work, but then I met Drew and it was everything. I, uh, maybe I knew how to work in college, but it's a different, it's a whole different level in the NFL, as you know. Um, So meeting him and and being able to do that, I still follow, you know, some things today to this day that I, that I learned from from those years in New Orleans. So it, it is different. Your leadership style is different and it is, 
hard at times to, to not be the starter, but you also know like there's many other ways you can help your team. This podcast is sponsored by Soranex Exercise Equipment. Since 1980, Soranex has been a family-owned business responsible for legendary innovations and training solutions that have changed the face of strength training. Today, Soranex is the most sought-after strength brand for professional teams, colleges, high schools, and military units. During this process of growth, our clients have become an extended family to us, part of our brotherhood, our culture. We want to thank you, our customers, friends, and family for being the foundation on which Soranex is built. We promise to do our best to continue to serve you with the best strength training equipment and service in the industry. And if you don't mind, Chase, can we go back to kind of you said that that maybe not being drafted might have been the best thing to happen to you or maybe not the best, but it was a, a good thing in terms of changing your mentality and putting that chip on your shoulder. Can you take us through how your mentality, the actual kind of thoughts that you were telling yourself, the attitude that you took toward, like you said, you had to work harder just to make the team. Can you take us a little bit more through that process of the actual thoughts that you were thinking to yourself? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, for for my life up to that point, it'd been pretty easy. There'd really not been uh, much drama or adversity. That, that's even a better word, adversity, that it hit me in a, in a playing situation, right? Like it's always been like, man, everything's run pretty smooth. Um, well, that's the first time that it's just like, man, I, I really let down. And, I, you know, my goal was to be drafted and to compete for a job. And, you know, I just, I felt like I was, I was there. And then, so when, when it didn't happen, I had to, I had to take a step back and just sort of reevaluate my goals that I had set. You know, my goals have always been, and still to this day are to become one of the best um, quarterbacks in the national football league. Um, you know, pr- professionally. Um, and, and at that point, it was, it, it really just switched to like, let's take it one day at a time. Let's do whatever we can to make an impression to these coaches. And let's just try our very best to be able to make the team. You're one of 53 guys on 32 teams um, that'll make it. Let's just, let's change the goal of that. So then I did everything in my power, worked as hard as I knew I could because I felt like I had a really good foundation set from everyone at the University of Missouri that had helped, you know, pour into me. And, you know, I was there for four or five months and actually had a really, really good preseason. I think I threw, you know, four, three or four touchdowns in my rookie preseason um, and I didn't get to play very much. So that was sort of caught the eye of, of a lot of people in the NFL circles and, and it sort of spoke to me more than anything like hey i can play in this league i know it's just preseason but i'm playing against backups that are fighting for jobs too and i'm i feel like i'm better like i feel like i'm playing really well and then when i got cut it was hard right because you're just like what i just i just killed it and crushed it i did everything in my power um you know and then then it was just like man i just hope i can make a practice squad somewhere some somewhere there so i at, at every you know sort of avenue of adversity I sort of reevaluated what my goals were and how I thought. Uh, but at the end of the day, in the back of my mind, my goal was to always be a starting quarterback. Um, so that was that was difficult at, at times, but I feel like I've really grown into my role as a backup 
here these last three or four years. It sounds like you were at, obviously at Missouri and Pat was your coach before he kind of entered into the mental conditioning phase where he was getting his doctorate and all that. But you sound like the poster child of what he coached mental conditioning for athletes to be. And this, you did all of that without even needing, without even having been taught it. So a lot of what you were saying, you know, going through adversity and thinking your thoughts just kind of one day at a time and one step at a time was, is definitely reminiscent of kind of the message behind any mental performance coach. And and it sounds like you said, from childhood, you had those thoughts instilled in you at an early age. Yeah. And, it, and you know what? It doesn't make it any easier, right? Because at the end of the day, I'm still not at my goal. That just makes me work harder for it. And when I got the two starts this year and played really well, it just, it just sort of not, I want to say renewed my energy toward it, but it just, it, it made me think like, man, I can, if I had a full season, I feel like I could really do really well. Chase, um, I want to go back to something you said. You you um, brought up your height, and I know um, you measured at six feet even. Um, and I know there was a lot of doubt about your ability to play quarterback. You hear people talk about um, can people at that height see over the court, see over the offensive line? Uh, can you talk about what it is um, that you're able to do? So that you can play that position, and um, and even Kyler Murray, I believe, maybe I believe he's listed at five eleven. What what challenges you think he may face in the NFL? I wouldn't be surprised if Kyler Murray measures in at five nine and a half, maybe five ten. So he's he's that that's my whole thing is like, man, good for him. The whole the whole height thing has been debunked. Like it's just like not no longer an issue. You're looking at. You know, the poster child of it was obviously Drew Brees. He's a future Hall of Famer. Um, but then you look at Russell Wilson, Mike Vick. I mean, there's a number of other guys that have been that. And I think the NFL has really lightened its standards toward height. Like, I feel like if I would have put together an 07 and 08 season um, in, in, say, year 17 and 18, um, that I would have been a first-round pick. Because it's just like, all right, well, height doesn't really play that big of a deal. Um, because Because for me personally, like, those guys in front of you are anywhere from 6'5 to 6'8. I mean, we have some tackles that are 6'8. So even a 6'2 quarterback, 6'3 quarterback is not seeing over those guys. You get what I'm saying? So it, it doesn't really make much sense to me because for me personally, like I, I've lived it, I've lived the NFL life for a decade. I'm throwing through lanes. Same in college, you're throwing through lanes. Now, those lanes might be tighter. Uh, and 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 more narrow, um, but you're still throwing through lanes. Very rarely do I throw, or really any quarterback, do they throw over offensive linemen that are six seven. It just it doesn't happen like that. I mean, uh, you know, every once in a while you have to, but you're always slightly moving in the pocket, and that helps with your vision, right? Your vision starts with that slightly moving in pocket to find to find lanes to throw through. What do you think about the uh, the phenom? quarterback as people call him in uh kansas city and his ability you know i've never that's a that's a great question and i'm a huge fan you know him being from texas and and just you know watching his career at texas tech and obviously playing for the chiefs for three years and, and being able to sort of follow him and know a little bit of inside information r regarding just from the coaches there you know what he's able to do his first year 50 touchdowns five thousand yards it's it's unheard of. Like, it's just, it's, 
it's unreal. And what I think is just so cool watching him do that is, you know, everyone talks about, oh, he's got a strong arm. And yeah, he does. It's, it's not the strongest I've seen. But what I've never seen in my 10 years, other than maybe a few people like a Brett Favre or even an Aaron Rodgers, is the different arm angles he throws from and the different platforms he throws from. It is unreal. Like you've seen these no-look passes. You've seen cross-body throws. You've seen sidearm. I've almost seen some underarm throws. You've seen fully overhead throws. For, for, for me, and, and being a fan of the game in general, and being a fan of quarterbacks, to be able to, to do that and to throw from all the platforms and be that accurate doing it, that to me is what you know steps out the most, without a doubt, about his performance. That, that, I agree with that. Um, you know, um, can you talk to me about your relationships with coaches? I've watched you interact uh, with with coaches that uh, you've been really close with, what is it about if you're if you're talking to an athlete? What advice will you get? Can you give uh, athletes out there um, on how to develop yeah. that relationship and why you think that relationship is important? Yeah, I mean, listen for for me, I might be old school, right? Like you you, you get these uh, modern day athletes now. You know, Twitter and Instagram when I was in high school and college, it didn't exist, right? So no one's posting highlights of themselves. No one's full of themselves. I feel like today's athlete, for the most part, is uh, very egotistical, and whether it be from like, oh, can't nobody tell me anything, to posting these highlight films of like. And these Instagram stories of you can't outwork me, just stuff like for me, I'm old school. Like I feel the player coach relationship, whoever is coaching you at any, any standard, I, I feel like that is a very big key into an athlete's performance. Um, whether it be on the field or off the field, academics, teachers, whatever. For me, I've always wanted to get really close with the coaches that have coached me, whether it be a head coach or a, or a quarterback coach for the pure st standpoint of like, if I can get close with a coach and really, you know, figure out a way to, to care for him and, and, and like him or her for that matter. Um, it, it just, it, it makes life a little bit easier. If, if I can put myself uh, into the coach's mind and I can insert self myself in there, I feel like I have a better chance to succeed. So if I'm, you know, really close with a coach, well, I feel like I can think what he thinks. And that has helped me on the field multiple times. Like I've called out plays before to offensive coordinators and they're like, I'm thinking the exact same thing. So that stuff just goes hand in hand. That's one of many um, ways and reasons why I, I, I like to be close to a coach that, that I'm coaching or that I'm, that I'm playing under. But I think it's always been a really big deal to me. So the title of this podcast is Beyond Sets and Reps. What is it uh, that you can think of that makes um, you successful, others successful in the game beyond the sets and reps, beyond the training? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question, right? Like at the, at the, at the forefront of any athlete, I think that it's, it is what you do, right, with the sets and reps, what you do um, physically to, to get ready for your performance, whatever it may be and whatever you're doing. Um, but, but for me, and we've talked about it a little bit today, I've always gotten to this situation to where, man, like what else can I do to give me an edge? Well, physically, I know I am doing 
everything I can possibly do. But mentally and emotionally and spiritually, for me, those are the three phases really since college that I felt like I've made the biggest gains in my game. And, and as a husband and as a um, father, right, I wear a lot of different hats now that I didn't wear, but I feel like I'm way more well, way more well-rounded now. And it's not just like if football ended tomorrow, I'd be, I'd be great. Like I'd be straight. Like I got a decade in and I couldn't, I couldn't say that maybe three, four or five years ago, if, you know, mentally, if I'd be in that situation, just cause you know, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I'd never hit my goal of, you know, being a true starting quarterback for an NFL franchise. I'm like, I'm great. Like I'm healthy. My brain's right. I got a beautiful wife and a beautiful kid and hopefully, you know, more, more to come of that. So it's just like, man, I'm in a, I'm in a really good spot right now mentally. And I think it's just, for me, it's, it's, um, it all stems from even, even when I was younger, it all stems from visual visualization, um, and, and positive visualization at that. It's just like, I remember even in college nights before games, I would go through my entire call sheet and I would visualize myself making that throw or making the correct read on a handoff read option or whatever it may be. And it was always positive. It was never, ever, ever negative. And when for some reason, a negative thought would creep into my head, like, Oh, I'm going to fumble or I'm going to throw an interception. I would just refocus and read over that play again. However many times it would be to where I'd feel comfortable with it. And, and to me, I still do that to this day and it's really helped. Going back to what you were talking about a little bit about, being so well-rounded and, and kind of how you, you've come to be that way. You obviously, you know, got married, had a kid, all that. So it didn't just happen overnight, but how do you think that plays into your longevity as an athlete? I think it plays in pretty well. I mean, it's, it's, um, my life is more balanced now. Um, I have a set time for everything, right? Everything for me is scheduled. Like I'm, I'm almost, I'm almost OCD and my wife would probably say I am OCD just about every little thing on a schedule or how everything's planned out. Right. Like when I come home from a 14 to 15 hour day at work, it's not like bring all the problems from work or the, the happiness from work home. It's like, man, I'm a, I'm a dad. My dad has there, you know, until I put my son down and just get as much quality time. Cause that to me means the world. And then when I put my son down, it's like, all right, let me put my husband hat on. And it's tough during season, right? It's all about time management. Coach, you, you taught us that, you know, when we were 20 years old. But it just, it, to me, it just makes so much more sense where it's not 100% of the time I'm focused on football. Which, listen, when, when, when it's football, it's go time, it's work. And that's the reason I've been able, I feel like, to stick around. It's like when it's time to work, I work. Um, but for me, I just, I, for whatever reason, this year it really clicked. Obviously, our, our, son, is, our, our son is 18, no, 17 months old so this is still sort of new for us but it just it, it just gives me great joy to be like man this is dad hat time or this is this is um you know i'm in football right now or this is man i'm a i'm a, a friend or i'm a you know i'm a husband it's i enjoy i really do enjoy wearing all those hats and and for me it's all like it, it wasn't easiest for at first especially when he was born I, just, I would take these problems home and it just has really helped me mentally just the clarity that I have, the purpose that I have um, when when my son was born and when I got married, obviously that was you know one of the best days of my life. Um, it's just been really helpful through to have that. And I feel like I can only continue to grow with that. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're speaking with Chase Daniel. 
NFL player, father, husband, friend to many. Chase, uh, any final words you have for our listeners out there? No, I mean, listen, it's it's just, um, you know, I love, I love the name of the, the podcast, right? Beyond Sets and Reps. And it's just, you know, there's so, so much more important things in life than sports, right? But I feel like for me, sports has sort of set the tone for the way my life is going to go. Um, it's taught me so many things. We have to have a whole other podcast on everything that taught me. But for, for me personally, you know, I can't speak for anyone else. It's just I'm at my best when I go beyond, you know, like you said, the sets and reps. I'm doing more than just the physical. I'm working on the, the mental, the emotional, and the spiritual. And for me, that's what's helped me to this day become the athlete that I am. Awesome. If people want to follow you on social media, how can they reach you? Yeah, so Twitter is just my name, at Chase Daniel. And Instagram, pretty easy. It's just at Chase, and it's underscore Daniel. Um, Those are the two that I'm probably most um, relevant on or use, I guess you would say. So, yeah, follow me if you guys want. Well, Chase, it's been a pleasure reconnecting with you. I wish you the best this offseason. Wish you the best this season and uh, look forward to watching you play. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond Sets and Reps, where we provide the performance edge. This podcast has been brought to you by our sponsor, Soranex Exercise Equipment. To make sure you don't miss an episode, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or your preferred podcast provider. You can find show notes and more at beyondsetsandreps.com. That's B-E-Y-O-N-D-S-E-T-S-A-N-D-R-E-P-S dot com.